search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome, BBCs, to episode number 132 of the Broken by Concept podcast, the number one solo queue educational and motivational podcast. Third year running, Curtis, we're going to be doing the most anticipated, requested, really the only thing that people show off for this podcast, our one episode of the year of- One and done. One and done. The season 13 ranked guy. We're going to encapsulate everything you need to know to- have a successful season. I don't want to say the success. Get off to the right foot at least. Get off to the right foot, but you know, just your approach to the game, the way you think about improvement, process, everything we talk about in this podcast. This is actually just a great episode as well if you're like new to the podcast. Just a summary of what this podcast is about. I think it's a great reminder as well for people who are long-term listeners. Just sort of check up, refresh. a reminder, a refresher of some of the concepts that we spoke about. We sometimes evolve our take on a few concepts. A lot we're going to cover today. So we have 15 topics to go over here, guys. They'll all be in the timestamps in the YouTube, but if you listen on Spotify, get ready. We've got 15 topics to talk about, about the ranked journey this year. Before we get into that, though, Curtis, people were wondering, two weeks, no yeah. podcasts. Everyone was- Where was the I? pitchforks. I put <laughs> yeah, out- They were pretty angry. People were angry. <laughs> I don't blame them. You know, this is an awesome so, podcast. So I went to Hong Kong for a week, or about five days, and- uh, I actually met with a long-term BBC BBC listener, Kenneth. And uh, it was pretty surreal because in a way, it it actually made me really... It was quite shocking because... So you went on, on a hike with him. Yeah, we, so we, we met up and he's like, because he found out I was going to... I can't actually remember how he knew I was going to Hong Kong. And he's like, I'm from Hong Kong. I'll be happy to give you a tour and, um, and, and meet up with you and show you some places. And there's a lot of hiking in Hong Kong. So we end up going on this really long hike. It was a really beautiful hike. Put some pictures here. Charles will put them on the screen. Um, it was just a beautiful day. And it, it, was, it, was, it was very surreal because obviously we're here in Melbourne and... You know, all the way, like kind of on the other side of the world in this small little village in Hong Kong, there's a guy who sits there, plays league and listens to the BBC. And it was mind blowing to think that I'm connecting with someone in a completely different place, a different culture, a different, just a different, it's everything is different. And it was just shocking. It was, it was really overwhelming in a way. It's like, wow, this is how... This is the power of technology and this is the power of, of, of how League can connect people around the world. And um, yeah, we had a really amazing conversation. And it was funny. I was talking to him and I was about to get into a story. And he's like, oh, is that the story about that? <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> he's and heard he, every story already on the podcast. He already knew. He knows so much about me. It was kind of, it was overwhelming that he knew already so much about me, but I didn't know anything about him. But uh, yeah, we had a really great time. And um, so shout out Kenneth. He's actually joined the MLA. Nice. Last opening. So he's in the MLA now Beautiful. as well. Um, he's fully ticked off every box. He's a, <laughs> he's a BBC out, listened to so many episodes and now he's in one of our coaching programs. Coaching program as well yeah he's a really really nice guy and um i had a really great day with him and i and shout out to kenneth for helping us with uh plan that a beautiful hike and helping us uh went to like this big buddha on the top of a mountain it's just a great time and we wouldn't have been able to do it without him so thank you so much all right so let's get straight in curtis to our 15 topics okay curtis our first one the biggest question that we always get the thing that people love to talk about the thing that is people 
people, I, I visualize the, this topic, people tearing their hair out, trying to figure out champion pool, champion pool, champion pool, champion pool. What does it mean? What do I need? How is it? How important is it? Let's get into it, Curtis. Okay. So I think there's different angles. It's different like now subsections yeah. of champion pool. Yeah, there's a lot here to unpack. I, I think first so and we foremost, we need to talk about fun. That's where I want to start with okay. this. Okay. Everyone plays, everyone enjoys something different. Just like we all enjoy different movies, different songs, music, whatever. So everyone who plays League has things they fundamentally enjoy about the game. So for champion pool stuff, we're talking about players that like just love to one trick one champion, players that get bored of champions really quickly. Well, okay. So like there are different categories of players. We, we, we get players that are absolutely obsessed about one particular champion. And that is the reason they play League. They play mm. League because of this champion. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be a one trick, you can be a one trick. But I would say more often than not, majority of the League population, maybe likes a, a category or a type of champion. Whether it's mages, burst-oriented champions, assassins, skirmishes, whatever it might be, right? Now, the reason I want to talk about fun is that if you play champions that you fundamentally do not enjoy, you will drop them at some point. You will not stay consistent and develop that, stay long enough on that champion to develop a significant amount of champ mastery. And you won't be motivated to play and problem-solve those very difficult situations, when both of us, when we think about our league journey, when we've had the most success with champions is when we've gone to that next level of champ mastery, put in the mass amount of hours because we've loved the champion. Learning, I always say this, learning about how to play that champion in the game that on draft, on paper looks terrible. That's the real levels of champion mastery. People will give up if you don't enjoy the champion. You're going to give up around, we always say around the 80, yep. 80 game mark is when people really start to see the weakness of the champion and then they yeah. really struggle with, you know, it's getting to those hundreds of games. That's yeah. when you start to really take things to the next That's level. That's right. So, so in my experience, I remember I used to talk about, okay, we should play these because these are good for learning or these are good for the meta or whatever it might be. None of that, everything kind of um, pales in comparison to just fundamentally enjoying the champion. You don't need to like love it, but you need to really, you need to some, you definitely enjoy it. So, and obviously there's levels to that, right? Like, um, so yeah, we'll kind, of, we'll kind of touch on that later. The, the other aspect of this is you need to cater your champ pool size for the rank that you're at. What is it like in the Soul 2? So if someone's in gold, what would you rate? Do you recommend one champion, two champions? It's two three. to three. So two to three in gold? What about platinum? Actually, sorry, no. I'm, I can't say two to three. Two. Two. Two, two in two gold. gold? Same for me in, in, in MLA, two in gold. Platinum, two. Diamond, then I'll move so to three. So two in plat. Two in plat still. Okay. Yep. I think about all my Soul 2 members that have gotten results for the gold, platinum to diamond. It's always one, two champions. Okay. Uh, and diamond? Diamond, that's when I'll be moving to expand in three okay and then master tier plus i mean now that goes into another topic of now champion cycling they've got a lot of experience okay, we'll come back of, to that in a second yeah, though yeah we'll come back to champion cycling but fundamentally two in gold two in plat can be three in diamond and then can be more in, in master plus yeah so very similar to me i think yeah one and two one or two if you can stick to one or two in gold that help a lot i believe that a high plat player can play three it gets a little bit more nuanced on a case-by-case -case basis because what you'll get is some players who have very easy to execute champions, and we'll get into this in a second as well so like maybe someone has been a long-term lux player right 
and they spent time learning two other champions. They could probably also have Lux on the side and have that as a third champion in plat because it, it won't take any of their mental stack. Like they've got so much mastery on the champ. It doesn't really occupy that third slot. So it does get a little bit more nuanced than that. But yeah, very similar framework, three in diamond ideally. And then yeah, four, you can have like four or five in master or whatever. But um, so yeah, same. So that's good that we align on that. Um, Let's get into what you said. Just what was that we just spoke about? Then we spoke about um, Champul cycling. Champul cycling. Now I want to talk about the okay, okay, difficulty of champions. Okay, so I believe that you cannot maintain multiple complex champions inside of a pool. So I'm going to speak through mid. You can talk through the jungle lens in a second. So if I'm in diamond and I'm a diamond. Maybe a diamond three player. Wait, can we quickly define complexity? What, yeah, what's what makes a difficult champion? Okay, there's three things that d that dictate the complexity of a champion. The first one is the mechanical execution. The second one is how their ability to separate fundamentals, and the third one is reference point clarity. So that's the way that I talk about number three. You're talking about how. Clear, clear as our identity, essentially. These clear as identity. It's That's like, right. play around your alts. So That's think like about a, a champion like Malzahar, how clear that identity is, yep. what your strength, your weaknesses and your strengths on a champion like Malzahar or Lux or something like that is incredibly straightforward. It's yep. like- There's only really like, one way to be fighting. Yep. It's it's like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a squishy mage that has some utility. It's very obvious what I want to do. Like if I enter a fight, I know that I got to sit back at a distance, do my damage. I'm not flanking, doing anything sophisticated. Take a champion like Silas. Silas is a champion that has very unclear reference points. What do I do if I'm a Silas player? Do I go in? When do I go in? How do I go in? When should I use my E? When should I not? Like, you know, it's not very clear what my reference points are. That's why I don't recommend learning the game through a champion like Silas because your reference points are all screwed up. Um, and I will talk about the other one, which was ability to separate fundamentals. A champion like Yasuo, right? The reason he's not really good for learning the game, why he's quite complex, is because you trading and wave management are, are combined. You can't trade without eing through the minions. So you're always so so on a champion like Annie, for example, I can cue the minion or I can cue the enemy. Give a clear I can manage the wave or I three. can trade on the enemy. Yeah. So there are champions like same similar to Katarina, right? You're you're bouncing bouncing blade. All, and same as um, Yasuo and Katarina, they don't have mana. So there, there's, there, there's certain fundamentals that you can't really learn or it's a lot harder to learn the fundamentals because they're combined. So that's the second one. And the first one is obviously mechanical execution. There are champions like, for example, like LeBlanc, a lot of like combos, mechanically intended skill shots, that sort of thing. So they're the three factors that dictate complexity. So if I'm say Diamond 3, right? I will struggle to have three complex champions in my pool. If I had a pool like LeBlanc, Silas, Yasuo. No, Yasuo, yeah. That is a very difficult pool to pull off. Even if it's good on paper and even if it ticks multiple boxes and it's balanced, whatever, you won't play enough games on each of those champions to hold them to such a high standard to genuinely push the ranks with them. So more often than not, what I tell players is that, okay, um, say for example in plat you can have a champion of three but I would not recommend two complex champions I'd recommend maybe one complex champion two simple champions if you're in diamond you can maybe have two complex champs one simple champ you get the point you want to balance complexity 
simplicity as well as size of the champ pool and if you're going to have fun if you have fun with the champions and if it, and if they're well rounded in the pool if they make sense in the pool holistically so there's a lot there to unpack and then the final the cherry on top is champ pool cycling which is very very important in the long run do you want to go into that yeah now? we'll go into this now so me and you, we're a big believers in long-term... League is a game, like a long-term game. It's not a game where you play for three months, you get a rank and you piss off. It's, yeah. a, it's a journey. It's a marathon. Yeah. It's, not even one, it's not even one season. It's multiple seasons to achieve goals, right? We, we think in time spans of, of years, yes, right? Yeah. Like we, we talk about casually, um, okay, if you're a new player, it's going to probably take you three years to get to platinum. First year... Uh, zero to 30 bot games, learning what the game does. Second year, get to goal four. Third year, get to platinum. Like that's just normal. Like it's like, all right, that's like a pretty standard journey. Three years, right? Now, champel cycling, right? Let's say you had a champel of a jungler and let's say you played, um, let's say you were in diamond, sorry, and, and, as a jungler and you played Rek'Sai, Elise and, and Volibear, something like that, right? Just pull it out of my ass. What you can do throughout the season as the meta changes or maybe you get bored of a champion, you can take one of them out, not all of them, one of them, add something else in. So you're not changing the entirety of your champion. All you're doing is you're adding one one in, swapping one out. You still got the core champion. You still got maybe maybe take out Volibear. You still got that Rek'Sai Elise. But now you've added in something that keeps you interested, something that's going to spike up your motivation, something that maybe is a little bit more suited to the meta at the time, whatever it might be. And over the long run, when we're talking months, years, seasons, and you do this for tens of champions, you start to develop a very sophisticated understanding. You're building like a repertoire of, that's right. of things that you, maybe you played a champion for like a little bit, you, you got rid of it from its pool pretty quickly, but then you still have, remember, you can pick it up pretty quickly. I guess an analogy, uh, the marathon, maybe the marathon analogy is bad because it, it's technically never ending marathon. Right. But like each like leg, you're like- You you take something away from yeah, it. Yeah, you take something away from it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so champel cycling has many benefits. Number one, it makes it easier to pick up that champion in the future. It makes it easier to pick up champions like that in the future, whether it's not the same, it just be a style like mm -hmm. that. It doesn't completely sabotage seasons. You're suddenly like, screw all my champions. I'm learning all these new champions. You're still able to, you know, win games and play at a really good level or your current level, whatever That's right. it is. You're not going to go jump, you know, to go zero down, to like, hundred, yeah, right? Like you got this full champion and then you go in from to zero. Yeah. And most importantly, it allows you, you're actually increasing your knowledge of how to verse that champion. Mm. So this is why, by the way, this actually explains fundamentally, one of the reasons anyway, why there are, why there are players that exist that have played the game since season two that are able to reliably autopilot to a high level in Grandmaster, even low challenger, depending on the server, Master tier, whatever. You look at a streamer, they're playing, talking to chat, they're, they're, they're a long-term player, they've played for thousands of games over years and years and years. Why is that the case? Why is that possible? Because they've champel cycled for nine years. Roll cycled. Rolled cycled for <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. They've played every mid laner at, for probably 100 games each. Mm. Mm. So when you do that, the underlying muscle memory is insane. Not just you playing it, but you versing it. Everything's just anticipation. Everything's connected. Everything's interconnected. Yeah. So that is also why fundamentally these players who have played for a very, very long period of time, you cannot compare yourself to them. If you're a new player. If you're a new player, because they're, they're operating on a level of muscle memory that you will never be able to comprehend. 
new player means you're started in 2019 these days. You're yeah. Still, you're still a relatively new player. Yeah, you're a new player. If you started in season eight, you're actually new. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> it's really important to, again, think about... To think about. We're in th- season 13. It's crazy, dude. It, it like explodes my brain when I actually think about that. Season 13. Yep. You were playing Gangplank in season one, dude. Playing GP in season one. So, again, the context is really important, the way we think about it, and League is just a different game. It's not like it's not like Counter-Strike where you, you've always sort of known like how to, you know, you've got to shoot people. You know, shooters, are, you know, it's pretty simple. You've got to kill people, right? So, you know, we got to really understand it. It's just going to keep building over the years. Your repertoire, your understanding, your feel. So, yeah, I think that's a really good uh, mantra to think of the, the game in terms of years, seasons, and not just like, oh, I'm going to pick up League and suddenly I'm going to be insane. And that is the, the fundamental advantage of not being a one-trick. Yes, that's right. Champel cycling will make you a better player over the long run, holistically, over a long span of time. Hmm. So that's, is that, we covered everything with Champel there? Yep. Uh, what else for Champel? There's something else I want to talk meta? about. Um, yeah, I guess Champel, how it ties into meta. Let's, okay. let's go into there now. So what's your take on meta, Nathan? All right, so we had a note here. Number two was meta not mattering. Okay. All right. So yep. going, this ties with what we said before about having fun. Having fun is mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is plenty of one examples of one tricks from every server, pretty much every, most, almost every champion, I think, of getting to a relatively high level like diamond master. one plus or master. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to. So t- that's just the fact out there. That's just that it's possible. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about this. Now this is the question that people ask now. It's like, well, can't I just do it easier on another champion? Because that champion's really good or this build's really good. Yeah. And the answer is yeah. Yeah, it will be easier. Yep. But again, we've got to think of it in terms of like long, long term. Run. Yes. If you're gonna pick up a champion, let, let's say let's say Maokai jungles in the meta, and you 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 pop off a Maokai jungle and you end up going from platinum four to platinum two. Or platinum four to platinum one. Sometimes that can happen. If a champion's really strong, you play a lot of games, it clicks with you, whatever, boom. Maokai gets nerfed. You drop it from your... Ch- it's, it's unplayable or really, really, really weak. You drop it from your pool. You're going to go back to Platinum 4. What have you learned? It's gone. Hmm. That, ma- that All that champ mastery that you've just developed is gone. It's unusable. Well, it's good. Again, well, in again, a couple of years time, potentially. In a couple of years time, potentially. But if you had spent that entire time sticking to your Rek'Sai or whatever it is, the champ that you were actually planning on sticking to, that champ pool, and you climbed and maybe you only went from Plat 4 to High Plat 3... You're still light years ahead of you're actually all that time you're not being moved and and if anything your champ might come slowly come back into the meta or it might be not as bad in a, in a month or two and then you're primed ready to go and and remember this is what I always tell people in league you're only ever learning one of two things you're either developing champ mastery or you're learning the game that's it pick which one do you want to do yeah and it's always champ out in the order it's always champ mastery first always champ mastery first because always. you need to understand how to pilot your champion to un- to be able to then have the mental stack free to learn that to read correct. the map feel game pace and then not having to think about your champion right, you can- so think of it in terms of an analogy you can't learn how to race a car until you learn to drive a car so step number one is learn how to drive a car and then we can figure out what we can do with the car but we got to figure out first how to drive the goddamn car and how the car works. Perfect analogy. Right? And so, yeah, you're only doing one. This very important mentor, very simple. You're either developing champion mastery and learning a champion or you're learning the game holistically. Very, very simple. Going back to the meta, the reason why the meta... So I believe meta starts to matter at master. Okay? Now, the reason this is the case, let's say Lux gets a buff on an E. Or no, so let's say Lux gets, yeah, Lux gets a buff on an E for an additional... 40 damage. 
right? People think, okay, well, great. That's a great buffer lux. That's actually pretty significant, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to play lux. You look at the people who play lux, who pick it up, they're missing 50% of their E's anyway. If you were to land one more Lux E, you've already made up the difference by far on the buff that happened to the champion anyway. So so not it, it, meta and stats and, and patches and stuff doesn't and matter. Build doesn't really matter until you are playing the game to a high level and everyone's playing pretty optimally. Mm. That's when it matters. Mm. That's when it's significant. Hmm. So it definitely has an impact. Don't get me wrong. It definitely has an impact and it will make the game easier. And it is important to have a versatile champion that it can adapt to, you know, metas and stuff like that. But more often than not, you're better off just developing champ mastery on the champ that you play. Going to champ mastery as well, people might think that they have uh, a lot of champ mastery. Here's a story. Remember we did the Trinity Force podcast, Curtis? Um, we did that a while back and... We had, I can't remember who was one of the hosts there. He was a Vi player. And we had a discussion and he sort of said like, oh, like I know, like I'm really good at Vi, like, but like I'm still like learning the game and stuff like that. And I posed a question to him. I said, um, you know, are you really like champion master? He was a silver player, I think or bronze or something like that. Mm-hmm. Silver or bronze. Yeah. And I really questioned that because I've actually made a Vi guide recently, right? And I have had people comment on the Vi Guide. So I only played 35 ranked games to, to make this Vi Guide. And I thought I was ready to go. And I had people in the comments like Master Tier Vi players say, oh, wow, like I never thought about the queue that way. Or, you know, um, you know, these are players that have played hundreds of games of Vi. So obviously, you know, obviously I'm a more experienced player and I played against Vi's and I just have a sort of an understanding just how to fight anyway at a high level. But... You know, I, I pose that question when people think about maybe moving or maybe adding or maybe dropping a champion. It's like, do you are you really understanding this champion champ mastery wise? Because they could also people could also fall into the trap of, oh, I've got the champ mastery underway, tick. I just need to like learn the game, but they're still missing so much of a champion yeah. mastery. So really important to not just get trick like that bronze host on the you know saying vi- like I bet you I could review his game and he's making all the vi mistakes are in that in that yeah. in my vi guide i have a tw- like a 15 minute section no yeah. i think it's like 30 40 minutes yeah. about every mistake a low elo vi makes i bet you he's making every single one of those you're not even close to understanding vi from the get-go so that's really important as well it's a great story i'll tell you another story that kind of runs along this one as well is i was coaching a master syndra player and uh you know pretty long-term syndra player get into the review and the guy's making basic Syndra combo mistakes. Like he's going for the max range QE. He's like rushing his E every time. Like it's just super linear. It's like walking up QE, walking up QE, and he's not hitting any of them. And I'm like explaining like, this is so obvious. And then he's like, wait, what the hell? Like he literally- He probably thought he was insane at Syndra. Yeah, he didn't. He said he couldn't see this in his own reviews because you know why? Because it was so much muscle memory. He's played the champ so yeah. many times that you overlook the basics. What happens when you play a lot of a champion is that you believe that your problems are super sophisticated and complex. <laughs> That's right. Because you overlook the basics because yeah. you've automatically got those hundreds of games. So you don't you don't think that the basics of what's holding you back. But and, and it was just that outside perspective that like I'm like, dude, you're just this is just basic syndrome. Like this is basic stuff. And he's like, yeah, you're actually spot on. Holy crap. I can't believe I'm doing this. I didn't see this. Holy, I, I, I should stop rushing my E, which is like something that, you know, you could learn in any rank, right? I wonder if he would be able to review a Syndra vibe 
someone else's say you're doing that and then he still would miss that. You know, That'll be interesting. And the reason I spoke about this and the, and the reason this is the case and yeah. why it happens. Yeah. We play league using heuristics. Right? So heuristic is like a it's like a term that basically we use in real we we operate on daily basis in real life. Like I think it's like uh, my butcher it's like 90% of the t- our daily life is using heuristics. Like for ex- and heuristics are basically um, shortcuts or like little um easy way or like general rules of thumb that we can apply so we don't need to occupy our mental stack because if we had to sit there and do everything in the day in our, on a daily basis and analyze have to make a decision make every it like time. Yeah, if we had to make a decision for everything okay is this one hot or cold um should i enter the shower now yes yeah. or no like <laughs> should brushing my teeth it? is br- should i brush how my do- teeth like how do i what's the yeah. technique you're just operating on muscle memory yeah. right but when you play league you're playing hundreds and hundreds of games and what happens you're subconsciously creating heuristics so, and I'll give you an example of one in league, right? If you are full HP in lane, you have a lot of resources. Most of the time, you're probably just going to stay. You probably don't need to base. That will work as an overall general rule of thumb a lot Most of the, of the time. time. 85% of the time, yep. 90% of the time, that's going to be the case. But league is a game about specifics. And there are going to be times where that heuristic bites you in the ass. Mm. But oftentimes it's very difficult to spot these mistakes because they're they're so in deeply ingrained, ingrained yeah. these habits and they work. They work a lot of the, the time. The reward system is like, oh, I should do this because it gets me results. That's right. Fact. They work most of the time, and then that one time that it doesn't, it's very difficult for them to spot that mistake. So I was I work- a great example as well for jungle is uh, I always talk about reset on your first ideal base, right? Really important. It's like when usually it's like 1100 gold for like mm. think items like Dirk or Iron Whip Spike or something like that. But there's some cases where your pathing just happens or whatever happened in the game that you should actually break that rule, sound the map, clear your top camps. You're going to reset on 14, 1500 gold. So then you can get back bot for the dragon spawn rather than reset and going straight back top and clearing bot top to bot because you're like already near your raptors or anything anyway. So that's a really important, like huge tempo. Like you can save 20, 30 seconds of map pressure. Um, for again, but people always follow that rule sometimes too much. Yeah, an example for this client that he, the, the heuristic he had was tying back to this reset one. He he roamed bot, got a kill, had enough gold to buy his item, but because he was full resources, he just walked back mid, got the wave, then reset. Yeah, got like it. you could have just reset right now. It would have been way more. But efficient. the muscle memory is that if I'm full HP and full mana, I don't need to base. That's right. And so so um, it's and it's very difficult to spot these in the review. So. The advice I give, and this is why we talk about the specifics. So if something feels off or like something negative happens, so in that situation, he lost tempo or, and blah, 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 blah. You can go back and be like, okay, um, and we'll get into this later review process, but you can basically identify where it went wrong and you need to address this heuristic. Why did I do this? Like, why did, why did I think that this was the right thing to do? And the question and ask yourself. Curiosity. I actually had a whole conversation with Saika about his review process for curiosity because he was missing all a lot of these things. And, yeah. you know, when something you got to be curious, you know, yeah, it's that's really the important of the BBC is, is curiosity. Honestly, if you do not fundamentally have curiosity and you feel entitled, you will not learn and climb in league. You Experiment. Think about other things you could have done in the game. Even if, even if what you did was right, like, what if I do this, whatever do that? Anyway, we're getting into the review process. Maybe yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, all right. So that's, uh, that was a flowing conversation, I think, from Meta, was it? <laughs> All right, we're on. We got fifteen. We're up to three things. 
<laughs> all right. So our we third one. Yeah, we could. We gotta be careful here because this could go for seventeen hours. Owning identity and having fun important. So I guess this is sort of tied on. So yeah, well, to, it's it's the same. Having fun. Yeah, right. It's the same thing, right? Well, this one's actually different. So this is owning. The keyword is owning your identity. Right. Right. Because what a lot of people do is they feel that they might be falling behind the meta or their. Well, they feel or shame. Like they get shamed by friends. Yes. It's like you only climb because you play Yumi or, or you play like whatever. It's like. If that's what you like to play, if you want to play the game through the lens of Katarina, then screw everyone else. Don't you have the the Cal Casey example? Yeah, Cal Casey, he got he climbed on Vigar, right? Was it? And and um yeah, like just felt Your advice him was owning his identity. Once he did that, he got results. Yeah, he got results, yeah. And but he would also feel like What was the yeah, what were the narrative? I think the if I can remember correctly, it was something along the lines of like, I just feel like yeah, people flame me and shit like that. He's got flame for playing Viagron. So it's like, who cares? If this is what you're good at and this is what you enjoy, then do it. But it's easier said than done. It is. Especially for a lot of impressionable younger people, um, you know, in society, we tend to care a lot about the opinions of others. And, and obviously, as you get older, that is easier to deal with. But especially for the younger audience, you can understand and empathize why that is the case. Mm. Especially if it's coming from your friends and your peers and your friends and your friendship group are saying, Oh yeah, you only got to platinum because, because you played, played Malzahar and you ha- you have no mechanics. Or you know, and at the end of the day, over time, it's like, well, okay, cool. I'm high. I'm I'm happy doing what I am. I'm higher ranked than you, so you know, it's like who cares? Yeah, you got to own it. You just own it. That's my identity. Yeah, that's like- that's how I enjoy the game. Then that's how you. Because remember, and this is one of the messages we push. League is your hobby. It's not anyone else's hobby. It's your hobby. You don't play league for anyone else. You spend your time after work or after study or after school, whatever it might be, because you want to, not because someone else wants to, because you want to. So it's your, you want, you have to spend, like you want to get the most satisfaction and enjoyment out of it because it's your hobby. And, and this ties into, you know, I would say the philosophy that has saved me mentally last year the most, which is the blank canvas analogy. Every game is an opportunity to express who you are on the rift you're going to paint on this blank canvas, express your best self, do what you can. Doesn't mean it's perfect. It's just, and then you left your signature on it. Boom. Great. And you can look at it at the end and be like, oh, okay, that's what happened. Oh yeah. I could maybe run that Some pretty shitty time. strokes there. Yeah. Chuck it in the back. Yeah. Put it in the back. Now, new canvas. <laughs> new canvas, boom, new game. Go again. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, is that no one in the world will play that game like you. Yep, it's your painting. It's your painting. No one else. But you can get inspiration from other people. People can get other inspiration from you. No one will be able to replicate your clicks, your decisions, because everyone has a u- unique league journey, which is, I think, what we should segue into. That is next. League journey, Nathan. All right, so league journey, we've got in brackets here the solo queue contract. So this is understanding what you sign up for when you play ranked. These are two separate things. So I think what we start with is understanding your gaming background and league journey. Okay, let's start with that. So as we all know, we've all come from differing places. Some people are hardcore console gamers, play PlayStation as a kid, Xbox, Nintendo, whatever it is. Other people are hardcore PC gamers. Some people had a, 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 a large background in MOBAs, Dota, Horn, whatever. Some people, FPS background, World of Warcraft background, whatever it might be. When you start League, you need to understand that everyone's journey is unique because of this fact. 
if Nathan is Nathan probably had an easier time picking up league than me because Nathan played WoW and he used the the W uh, sorry what was it QW I, I mean, just like abilities. And you knew how to cast, like press your finger, your hands yeah. were actually placed. Versus WASD. Yeah, mine were WASD from FPSs. So I, when I started playing League, I had to look at the keyboard. I literally had to look at the keyboard, like look up, then look down, then look up to make sure my fingers were on the right keys. I guarantee you, yours was not really like no. that. You just knew. It was well, like, I knew there's like key bindings and use one, two, three, four and Q. I never know, used key bindings like that. Like that. Yeah. I would only use WASD, F for crouch and then shift for walk and then space bar for jump. That's it. Mm. That's all I'd ever used. I'd never played any other game. When I played Guild Wars <laughs> in Guild Wars 1, I clicked my abilities straight up. No no word of a lie. I clicked my abilities. That's how bad I was with this sort of stuff. So that's an example, my league journey versus Nathan's league journey based off our gaming backgrounds. So if you're starting out in league and you have no PC experience, if league is your first game, this is what I tell people, you are doing two things. You are simultaneously learning league, but also learning how to play a PC game, an online multiplayer, like online multiplayer PC game. Mm. You're learning how to use a mouse and a keyboard, keyboard from in an online environment, as well as learn the game of league. That's why league is so bloody hard for people that don't have a PC background. And also as well, why there's such a disconnect with like the lower ELO players, like iron players and bronze and stuff like that. They don't really put too much time in the game because they just get demotivated. And it's just, they just don't, they just can't grasp. They, they don't put in the time to grasp the movement that a lot of players take for granted, especially the PC gamers. They, they, cause they can just go in and instantly get gold or whatever. And that's usually what that's that bronze, iron, silver get into that. Like past that, that's usually that you, we always say it's like the test. It's like the test of like, can, you, can I control a mouse and keyboard to the basics? Yeah. Like a large part of getting to gold is huge. That. It's a huge part of it. Yes. That is correct. So I, I think for all of you out there, you know, before you go comparing yourself to your friends, before you go comparing yourself to streamers or content creators. Or you go on to be. some like champ mains, Reddit things like this champion's OP. Like, don't worry guys, you can easily get diamond in it in like, you know, easy peasy here. And then you don't get it. You sort of like, um, there's lots of things that you're that, that person's missing saying right. and don't get confused by it. You got to understand and I'm going to talk about this in a video soon. But if you think about, and this is what fun, it really frustrates me. People think league, people who think, um, people make out that league is easy. That's like right. that, that really, that's like a big narrative that's pushed. Like league's easy. Like, it, you know, anyone can play it. If you break down a single trade in lane, there's like nine things that someone's doing. They are looking at, they have to look at the enemy character. They have to understand what the enemy character does. Their ranges, their abilities. They have to understand their own ranges, their abilities, their cooldowns. If they have mana, what's happening with the minions. If anyone else is around them, there's like a- there's The like, HP of the minions. The HP of the minions. <laughs> How, how threatening they are, how strong they are with their items. Did you fights. say the HP and manner of the enemy in your team? HP and manner of the enemy. <laughs> there is literally like 12 things or nine things yeah. that, that, is, that is happening subconscious at a muscle memory level with someone who's played a lot of the game. But we just take for granted. If you mm. play, and this is what I say. Just ask your friends, if, if they, if, you know, ask these people, how many games of League have they played? Normal games, ARAMs, ranked, flex, all together. In most people who've played for multiple seasons, thousands literally thousands there's thousands of hours well no shit they can do all this stuff and why they think the game is pretty easy you do anything for thousands of hours is going to be pretty bloody easy so this is again tying back to understanding your league journey in your gaming background solo queue contract nathan all right so we have an entire episode on the solo queue contracts we'll sort of summarize it a little bit then here i guess 
Uh, essentially, what that episode is all about is understanding when you hit that ranked queue up button, what you need to be th- like, what's your perception of what everything around you is going to happen? Like, what's the teammates? How am I going to interact with my teammates? What is, why do my teammates mista- make mistakes? Why do my teammates tilt? Why do my teammates make the decisions that they do? Um, knowing that I am going to win and lose some games are going to be out of my control. We talk about, I don't think we talk about the 30, 30, 40 rule in there. We get into That's that. a huge part of the solid contract. parched right now, Martha. This aircon is like sucking the moisture out of my mouth right now. Charles, emergency. I'll keep talking while I get some water. Hi, everyone. So the 30, 30, 40 rule, um, really yeah. big so, important okay, part Nathan, of the solid contract. Essentially what the solid contract is in a very simplified way is it's a tool for managing expectations. Yep, Thank that's you, a good way of putting it. Charles. It's a good summary. That's all it is. And because when we go into when we go into league, when we play league, and the, there are all these narratives that exist that we need to counter because um okay, league's a bloody hard game and there's a lot of bullshit, okay? People get angry, you're not going to get your role, you're not going to get your champion, you're not going to you're going to lose games that are completely out of your control. People are going to lose games for you. You're going to make game-losing mistakes. You're going to get flamed. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong at one point or another, right? What the solo queue contract is, is this invisible contract that we've all signed when you create your account. And this is actually what Riot should, they really should introduce. I think that's where, that's what popped up from the episode is thinking about how, what such a big Riot misunderstanding. You, what should Riot tell you before you head into league as a game. that Things that they should tell you, but they won't tell you because if they told you this, you probably wouldn't play the game. Yeah. <laughs> right? It sounds... <laughs> In a way. It probably doesn't sound... Probably doesn't sound too appealing. Appealing. Unless you play the game. Unless you understand, understand the beauty of the game. Yeah. That's right. And so that's why... And so the solo queue contract, like you said, is I will lose games even though I play perfectly. I will not always get my role. I will... My champion will be terrible in a meta. Um... I will get flamed. I will have to use the mute all function. Uh, someone will try to add me after a game and flame me. Um, I will get flamed for my OPGG. X, Y, Z, the list goes on forever, right? There are all these things that can happen. Obviously, when, there's plenty of positives. We're not talking about positive. We're talking about managing expectations of the negatives so that when this shit happens, we're not really... You're not confused, scratching your head or... It's about understanding them, right? So we, as, if we have an understanding, we're like, oh, you're sort of expecting it to come. It's like, oh, well, that makes sense why he's doing that or that is that. It's like, that's oh, right. like, you know, I lost this game for my team. It's like, well, I'm not a pro player. So I guess that's, I'm just going to have to figure out how to work on that and improve. And I guess everyone's flaming me, but this is my level of play. This is the reality. And, and, and <laughs> even though it's incredibly difficult to do. It is hard. There is always a reason why they are acting the way they are. And I think the longer you play league as well, you kind of realize like, oh, I can, it makes sense it makes why sense. that person yeah. is angry. Yep. They probably don't. Un- and, and this is, this is my toolkit for this. When you play a game of league, you are only playing the game through your very narrow lens. Like I'm on my computer playing my champion, right? And, and there's things that I want in this game. So if I'm playing Cassiopeia, there are particular boxes that I, as an individual, want to tick. There's also a Gwen on my team on top side that has things that she wants to do. She's looking into the game through her narrow lens. Well, obviously, if I have my narrow lens, she has her narrow lens, both of us aren't able to see the big picture in the game. 
So if she gets angry about something, it's it probably may like I probably won't be able to understand it immediately in that game because I'm not able to see the game through her lens in that game. I'm focusing on my own narrow. I'm in staying in my lane for now. It's not until after when you get into the review, you can just look at the way the map played out and what happened and be like, oh. Yeah, it actually kind of makes sense why that Gwen might be a little bit angry here. <laughs> like, it yeah. makes sense. Like, maybe the jungle traded them off, blah, 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 blah. Or maybe they they made a little bit of a mechanical misplay, ruined their lane. Or blah. It could be any one, any number of things. My point being is that we all are looking at the game through one narrow lens. And so when you're looking at the game through one narrow lens, you're, you're not able to see the big picture. And so you need to be humble. And, you have and, to be humble because the moment you're not, guys, and you're not you're just thinking it through your narrow lens, you're going to get really frustrated, frustrated yes. angry, tilt. It's going to be bad. That's right. And that this is how people sabotage their yeah. seasons. This is how you... These are the people that drop, you know, from platinum four to gold four. This is reason why it happens is why people quit the game. But it's so important to understand these things and why that episode is so important because Riot don't tell you this. They don't make it clear, which is so much confusion in the community. Yep, 100%. Another one as well is uh, more in-game specifics for the, you know, the, the solo queue contract. Mm. Because, you know, you talk about, I guess I guess the way that I think about it is that try and get to a point where you're not confused by anyone's decision making in-game, yeah. your team or the enemy team. One thing that I always talk about in reviews is, because you can actually use this to your advantage. The, understand the solo queue uh, uh, contract is about actually using it to your advantage against the enemy team. So a lot of the time it's like minion, uh, laners greeting for the next minion wave. If you can understand their behavior really their well, psychology, you, can, you can abuse that. You can abuse it. 100%. And that's just about really, you know understanding League and reading the game. Another one is like people love kills in League of Legends. Let's say the, most ex the obvious example of a, um, let's say there's only one laner showing on the map right now of your team. Where, and where's the enemy team going to fluctuate for? It's mid-game. They're all going to be running to that person because they're like, oh, that's the only person that I can see on the map. I'm just going to run and kill them. You can use that to your advantage. And maybe like counter-baron. Yeah, or yeah, just whatever. be there and just guys like counter stamping counter-gank and then everyone, yeah. then we can kill them all. So it's it's not just a, a, a contract to be like, you know, prevent all this sort of stuff. It actually wins you games. You know what I will say is that one of them, again, one of our key messages on the BBC that, fundamentally helps with tilt and frustration is having a deep respect for the difficulty of the game. Very important. When, when someone makes a mistake on my team, it's like my, my, my instinct, obviously I feel, okay, I'm not a robot. I feel like, oh, that's a bit annoying, right? There's no doubt. I feel, oh, it's a bit annoying. It's a bit frustrating. But you got to get to the point where it's like, it's not even, it's like no judgment. It's like, okay, they made a mistake. It's normal for, for someone to make a mistake because the game is so bloody hard. Their mental stack is so preoccupied. There is so much information. There are so many things happening every millisecond that they're bound to miss something. You're bound to die at one point or another because the game is so bloody difficult. When you have a deep appreciation for the difficulty of the game, when someone dies or makes a mistake, you're not going to get so amped up, right? You're not going to get so jacked up because it's like, oh, okay, it, something probably happened and it makes sense, mm. right? And so and so I had a client the other day and every mistake that his teammates were making, he was judging. Yep. He's like, that's bad, that's bad, yep. this guy's bad, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then it's like, when you're in this toxic judging mentality, you just this guy, you just don't have a respect for the game. And there's going to be no improvement going on. No. You're just, it's just all, you're a victim. It's victim you're a victim mindset. It creates a victim mindset. So yeah, and, and that is also why when, uh, when, when we coach clients, a lot of the time, like I remember now comparatively to 
three years ago, a lot of the time I'm like, oh yeah, I'll probably make that mistake as well. I can see where you're coming from here. That makes sense. And But where I remember when when we first started coaching, we'd be more inclined to be like, oh yeah, you shouldn't do that. You should do this. And like you, you enter that very judgmental mode. But if you actually put yourself in their shoes and if I were them directing my attention where where you are, it's like, oh yeah, I could probably, I, I could see myself making that mistake. And and again, that comes from having an appreciation for the difficulty of the game and and the mental stack and, and the the execution element of the game which is very important. All right, next one here. This ties in the 1v9 mindset. Mm. I think we have a episode on this. We called it something else. I can't remember what it was. People ask me about this all the time. You're the hero of the game or something like that. You People get into the mindset because the narrative is that my team sucks. Mm. I have to be the hero. I have to make all the plays. I have to be making plays versus the mindset of just doing your job. Yes. Very important to distinguish the two because – the 1v9 mindset league <laughs> league limits you so much in that regard like it's it's technically okay let's just first define the impossible. 1v9 mindset yeah, right? so what is the 1v9 so mindset so the 1v9 mindset is hilarious because it's think about it it's like it's not just 1 versus 5 yeah it's 1 versus 9 act- so your teammates are also out to get you they're actively, <laughs> they're actively trying to lose the game, the yeah. game. I always like, forget about that part because it's so ridiculous <laughs> to me but that's true it's the 1v9 it's mindset it's like you're versing everyone in the game it's like everyone versus me and and it's ridiculous because your team's also trying to win. For the most part, there are going to be some outliers. But for the most part, your team's trying to win as well. They're just making mistakes in the game. That's just their level of play. Yeah, that's a, yeah, exactly. That is just their level of play. They don't know what to do. What is very easy to misconstrue um, someone like looking like they're trying to lose the game versus they just genuinely don't know what to do. The easy, that's where tilt comes from. Tilt, the biggest cause of tilt comes from not knowing what the hell to do. Mm. Like confusion. if you're in a game set, confusion. If you're confused, if you don't know what the next course of action is, what are you going to do? You're just going to spaz it out and be like, <laughs> like I don't know what to your, do. Your emotions, your first instinct is just going to come out. It's yeah. just frustration. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the one v nine mindset is essentially everyone's against me. I need to go above and beyond to make up for the incompetence of my team to be a hero to win and carry all these useless people on yeah. my team. And it That's works. The 1v9 it is. works so much against you because then you're forcing plays, and you're just uh, one of my favorite mantras is the harder you force, the quicker you lose. The more patient you are, the quicker you win. It's so true in League of Legends, don't you feel? Yeah, I, I think patience is incredibly underrated. A lot of the time, people will likely stumble over themselves. Um, what I will say here is that the the for me the the biggest reason the one v nine mindset is toxic is because it detaches you from reality. If you come in right to a game and you've got this one v nine mentality, what are you likely going to do? You're you're more inclined to screw your teammates. Don't like don't help your team in that specific situation or. Um, do what's only good for you and not what's good for the team. Which or, is interesting because that's actually incorrect. Like that that's a false fallacy. Like playing with your team is actually selfish sometimes. Sometimes, It, yes. it can be actually selfish. It's like that actually I'm going to use my team as a bait to get a triple kill. That's right. Think like that. But I would say it also manifests in the sense that you're maybe going to split push. That's the classic, you know, yeah. 1v9. You got to split push, farm 10 CS per minute, and then you carry, Right. So that when you're in this one v nine mindset, you're actually completely you're in actually fairyland. You're actually not adapting to what's in front of your face. When in real proper League of Legends gameplay, optimal League of Legends gameplay is when you're seeing what's in front of you and you're just simply doing the best, making the best decision in that your this champion's capable of doing with your eye, your current goal, situation. your items, your scoreline, and and just doing your job. 
that's really what League of Legends is about. League of Legends at the most fundamental level is that every champion has an identity and it's your duty to identify what your job is in this game and do it to the best of your ability. That's it. That's it. That's literally it. And it's really important, guys, because people will think now it's like, oh, well, like my champion sucks or like uh, uh, my role is weak. So the well, there has to be someone playing it. The line right? so is all you got to do is play better than your opponent. Yeah. So the line, <laughs> the, the line is, is that if you do your job well enough consistently, you will climb in League of Legends. Doesn't matter what role or mostly what champion. You know what playing. I realized? This is funny. This is a bit of a tangent, but I think it's funny. When I was a kid, I thought in football that the goalkeeper was the shittest role. Like, I thought when I was a kid, like, in football or soccer, that, like, I always wanted to be the striker. Yeah, I wanted to be the one that scores uh, the goals. yeah. Right? Because that's yeah. in, in the same thing as league. It's about the kills. Yeah. But I remember when I was watching the World Cup, I'm like, goalkeepers are broken by concept. You can carry as a goalkeeper. If you do your job insanely if you, well. If you don't let any goals in, you can just never lose. Yeah. Literally never lose. You yeah. can at least at minimum go even. And I was watching the World Cup, and I'm like, wow, these teams that have great goalkeepers... They, they literally would win the game for the team because often games would go to penalties and they would win the game for the team as a goalkeeper. And I'm like, if I were to go back in time, I want to be the goalkeeper. But when I was a kid, kid. that's not how I thought. How yeah. I thought was, I want to be the one scoring, the striker, score the goals. But notice how that's that shift in perspective in league is the same thing. We now know the best, the most sexy way to win is as well. Like it's not just the one getting all the kills. It's kind of just- in Tiny of invisible advantages. Small wins. And small like, wins. And like slowly helping, making the game as easy as possible for your team to and win. And it's difficult for the enemy team to win as that's possible, right. which is invisible. It's invisible. It's invisible. So goalkeepers, again, it's not sexy, but it really can carry games. Being 0-0, zero, zero, a goalkeeper could have played out of his mind, but yes. it's not sexy. It's, it's exactly. invisible. It's invisible. You know, <laughs> like that goalkeeper was the best goalkeeper in the world, but at 0-0. Zero, zero. That's right. So I just thought that was a really interesting kind of parallel. That's there. a really good analogy. I like it. <laughs> All right, so we're happy with that one? Yeah. All right, so we're up to number... Uh, and, and sorry, following on from that, people ask, well, well, how do I know what my job is? Well, that's what ties into champion mastery. Hmm. When you have a lot of champion mastery, you've got to become the champion, right? Wh how should I think as my champion? What is my champ's strengths? At every stage of the game, it changes. It fluctuates What does my champ well? get counted by and why? What does my champ synergize with and why? How do I, what is my, what situations does my champion feel really good within? Yeah. Over time, when you play a lot of your champion, you'll be able to, you, you'll be able to increase the likelihood of putting yourself in these situations. Yep. Very important. Great stuff. All right. Next one here is duo queue. Ooh. Now this is a highly questioned topic and some people do enjoy the game that way. So mm -hmm. my stance, I don't know if your stance has changed at all, Curtis, but we actually had a conversation in Soul 2 recently. Um, you know, one of our new members asked about duo queue for the new season. I'm absolutely against duo. I've never ever seen someone improve from duo queuing. That's my experience. Uh, the reasons being is that um, it's super easy to get into the most obvious narrative. It's like we we have to play. It, it goes back to the one v nine mindset. Now it's like two v eight, right? So it's like. It's just me and him. I got to play around that person all the time, but which could not actually be the right decision to make in the game. So it's really easy to be, to be just completely like having the complete wrong read of games very easily. Communication, obviously, you're probably on Discord or on call with each other, and the communication is going to be making you actually each other worse because you're going to be saying things that you feel like you're like working together and like really smart about the game, but really you're just overflowing that person's mental stack or um, overcomplicating the game because you know you you know you watch worlds and you think oh you just got to 
to communicate to win the game. Uh, what else Joriku is really bad for? Um, well, for me, fundamentally, the main deterrent of Joriku is it ruins the learning cycle. Ruins the learning cycle. Right? Learning right. in League is literally as simple as you make a decision, you get a outcome, you review that outcome, and then you change your behavior. Right? When you duo, it's not you making that decision. A lot of the time. A lot of the time, it's someone else's decision. It's some, Someone else has influenced that decision. So you can't own the learning because someone else is, is, is having the learning for yep. you. I, I, I've talked about this example before. Uh, one of my soldier members, Janet, she's playing Diana Yasuo, duo. She was the Diana. She went to clear top camps because simply her Yasuo said, oh, I don't need you at this fight. And then they get triple cooled, and then she obviously should have gone to that fight because she could have easily read the numbers yep. advantage there, stuff like that, Same you know. Thing. And then, and then I said at the end, it's like, well, what do we learn here? And then what we do we just, learn? Whose learning is it? There's, you know, there's no learning the to fuck? be had. <laughs> and, like, and this is as a mid laner, right? If, if your jungler says, "Oh, watch out, the jungler's coming from bot side," sure, in that specific instance, it's great. But in the long it's run, it's gonna hurt you. You get no value no. because you're not coming to that conclusion. You're not improving your jungle tracking. You just got compensated for in a way so what i say with joy is if you're doing joy if you want to like get better and improve and learn joy is not what you should do so so if you're imp- interested in learning improving that sort of thing don't joy if you don't care about learning and improvement and you're just playing to have fun and you're just dicking around Jorku is, fine. Jorku is great yeah so that's that's my take but don't be confused if you have like a hundred games of duo in the season, you didn't end the the rank that you wanted. That's to. right. That's the key message that I because people sometimes conflate their duo and their rank solo, and then they think about the end of the year. It's like oh, I didn't reach my goal, and then I always go back to, well, <clears throat> what happened here? <clears throat> yep, it's not confusing. That's right. And again, I've never seen anyone. Um, you might you might see successful duo cues or like duo boosts, but those players are very good players yeah. usually. Like that's what people always they see. They don't get. They didn't get that good by dueling. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, so <laughs> they get really good solo first, right. and then you can duo and smurf on everyone. Sure, that's right. right. It's like probably people in te- who learn tennis. They didn't get good learning tennis and doubles. Like they're just two individual good tennis players that's that learn right. by themselves. Beautiful analogy again. All right, Curtis, number seven. We're almost halfway. Ranked anxiety, Curtis. Now, this is a really big one, probably very prevalent uh, prevalent. Very as well. quick one here. Yep. This is a very quick one. Yep. Ranked anxiety is essentially you feeling anxious, scared, fear, you know, fearful of queuing up because you're scared of losing LP or you're scared of getting flamed or whatever the hell it might be, right? It's like gym. This is, the, this is the perfect analogy. When you first go to the gym, it sucks. You got to get in there and suck. Embrace the suck is one of just our mantras. Just walk up and do some shitty reps. <laughs> yeah. Right? Just get, get no results. Get no results. Just do that for three weeks. By the third week, you're like, oh, it actually feels kind of normal to go to the gym now. Like I don't really, it's not, there's not much mental baggage. I just got to, I just like, that's what I do. That's what I've done for the past three weeks. That's what I just got to do. And then you just do it. It's very the the barrier to entry whatever it's just so easy to do remove the decision making what i of actually getting into queue and ranked up so what i see a lot a lot of people do is they get into the client they like go on discord or whatever, mm. something like that and they're like staring at the ranked queue and then like and they overthink it Should it's, like, it, up? it's I- like getting out of bed or something like that in the morning you're like if you just instantly just get out of bed yeah, no thin, no thought your your brain hasn't actually convinced you to not get out all of bed all you got to do is just do the thing what's next like what's the 
next thing that I have to do. Don't think about three steps ahead. Don't think about if you lose, if you win, if you don't. Don't think about that. Just play, press play. You pick a champion, do your job, end the game, review it, move on. And do that for three games. Stick to a schedule for three weeks. If you can do um, a block of three a day, even just for five days a week for three weeks, by the end of that three weeks, you will not have ranked anxiety. I guarantee you. Yep. So I, I just want to cover the ranked anxiety for the more experienced players who peak at a rank because mm. that's more about uh, new players or like right. struggling to get into ranks for the first time. So let's say Jim Bob. Is mm. that the analogy? Like the guy who is Yeah, I got someone in the MLA changes them to Jim Bob. Jim Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Bob has just reached Diamond 4. Yeah. But Jim Bob has imposter syndrome because he thinks, ah, like I, I, like, I don't really, like I really struggle in the Diamond games. I think I might have just got lucky in my promo or something like that. Now they're going to think that they don't deserve the rank or whatever and then if I just queue up, they're going to drop down. The answer might actually just be yes, but what are you going to do? Like you're like, you're going to, this goes, brings back to like, why are you playing the game? Like, do you actually want to keep climbing? Maybe that, maybe that's it. Maybe you're going to be happy to be diamond four or not. But if you want to keep playing the game and just, you have to accept because your level of skill is going to always reveal itself eventually. Anyway, the longer you just diamond four, you say, I don't want to play in that account anymore. The inevitable, you just delay the inevitable. So it's really important to understand you know, your psyche around, uh, yeah, hitting peak ranks. Peak ranks can come and go very easily. And do you want to look like a Diamond 4 player or do you want to be a Diamond That's 4 right. player? That's the real question. An actual Diamond 4 player is someone that plays another 100 games in Diamond 4. I love your take on that, which is, um, especially because people get anxious around placements, I mean, um, uh, promos. And what you said, which is um, don't aim for... Um, if you're P1, don't aim for D4, aim for D3. D Yeah. You want to become a D3 player. Yeah. You don't want to be a D4 zero LP player. Because you're just going to be bouncing all the And that the will time. help you do that because you're, like, you're not stopping at D4. You're like, you're, you're trying to get to D3. And that's a really cool like niche tip. I always say that that was like my biggest manager for Diamond 1 Master Promos players because I tell them, if you hit Masters your LP, you, drop you will drop instantly Every because time. you're not actually experienced. You're not actually properly a Master to your players where you get to 200 LP yep. around is my, my thought process. So um, really important to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to bounce and just think of it as like an extra little bit of LP really. Like it just, it really doesn't matter that much. And I actually want to talk about this more holistically when climbing. I've noticed some people like to think in multiple divisions. Like they think I want to climb... You know, I, I want to get, if I'm gold, say I'm plat four, I want to get to like D4. Like they're thinking about D4 in plat four. You only need to be concerned about getting slightly better such that you're getting from P4 to P3. You only need to focus on climbing one division at a time. Don't worry about climbing four or five divisions. If you think about that, you're going to lose touch of reality because people try to go from one extreme to the other. And they, they, they forget that it's just a process. You're just going a little bit, just get a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, bit. if you're thinking about all the rank and all that sort of stuff, just get into the game, have fun, make some great decisions. And the rank just appears, guys. Like, it's really important. The more you think about the rank, the harder the game gets. I, I generally believe that. Every single time that I've had my best gameplay, I don't care about the result, the win or loss of the game. I'm purely just thinking about what's great decision making. What's the next best decision? What's the next objective? What's the next thing I got to do? I've got to reset tempo, speed, quick. And then the rank just follows. Good League of Legends doesn't is always rewards you guys. That's just the way it works. And obviously, you know, we're not all crazy pro players right now, but that's what we're working towards. And, you know, Diamond 4 gameplay looks like Diamond 4 gameplay. Diamond 4 player isn't suddenly randomly a bronze player, even though people can think that they're bronze. But slow, process, over time, build it up. All right. Number eight. 
So this is a pretty meaty one now, Curtis, potentially. Okay. Uh, process. What's the BBC process? The importance of getting specific. Actually, let's start with why have a process. Why is process so important? So obviously the most important thing, Curtis, is um, what's the, the general way people have improved in the past is throw enough shit at war, eventually it sticks, and essentially that's playing, you know, playing as many games as possible. And what we do in Broken by Concept is com- compartmentalize games into three game blocks so we can make, we can understand our journey better. What are some other benefits? There's so many benefits of three blocks. Well, Manage tilts, prevent sabotage. Yeah, prevent, uh, prevent loss streaks. And, you know, because like if you lose three games and you're ending the block at three games, you can't go and turn that into a seven loss streak. No. Right? That's one of the big ones. I actually got sent something um, from someone who's an Andrew Huberman listener. And apparently on Andrew Huberman, he spoke about something how uh, the way the brain works, it's like you can have spurts of like energy um, for like 90 minutes or something like that. And it's very interesting that we've said three blocks because that's a very similar amount of time, how the brain can like have optimal focus for like around 90 minutes or something like that. So um yeah, that, that is also coincides with that. It's a way of that you, your brain can't stay that focused with high intensity for a very long period of time. So yeah, high intensity is really important in League of Legends, guys, because people disrespect the game. This is going back to the disrespect of the, game, of the game. Because you need so much brain power and mental focus to just play one game of League of Legends. But I want to talk about like the, this... Pro- okay, so everyone's process is highly personal, similar to their league journey, right? So there are a lot of people in the MLA that do two game blocks. They're working professionals. They don't have a lot enough time at night. They just got to do a two block. Some people like to review after games. Some people like to review before blocks. I've actually experimented a lot with the before block method where I review all my games from the past day, the day before. That actually works really well. Um, some people like to review all their games at the end of the block. There is no one correct answer. Everyone is different. And as long as you have a process and you stick to the process that works for you, that is the most important thing. Yeah, because you're going to create consistency. The brain loves, for me, I schedule, consistency. Just I just feel like I get rewarded for it always. It just never fails me every single time. So the moment you start playing, you know, like, oh, I can't, I can't go to sleep until I win. Stuff like this, it actually just... It does, never feels good, guys, does it? Like, even if you win, like, and you go to bed, you're like, yeah, maybe, sure. But, you know, I mean, it's just not going to end well for you guys. So, so the biggest mantra, here's a, here's a tip for you guys. I said last year, I wanted to learn how to feel comfortable leaving my computer after a 0-3 block. That's incredibly hard to do because you want to play. It's like, oh, that was just a shit play. Even if it's like three really bad games. Even if, if I, imagine this is the the point. When I played three pretty good games where I felt like, uh you know, I reckon that should have been at least one win. That was like maybe the thing that I would say to myself. But the ability to step away from that, you actually build so much discipline about the game and just your relationship with the game just becomes way more healthy. So that's a huge tip for you guys. I want you guys to be comfortable leaving the computer after a 0-2 or 0-3 block. I'm going to pose a uh, a bit of a challenge for the BBC listeners, all right? Love it. So this is what we're doing in the MLA. It's a three-week challenge that's going on right now that's ending in the end of January in the MLA. Basically what this challenge is for, for people in the MLA, which was, I want you to write down your three-week contract that you're going to hold yourself accountable to. So I'm going to read out what my three-week contract is. And, and, then, and this is a great way to getting people started with the process and holding yourself accountable. Now, the reason it's three weeks is very important because if I were to say to someone, okay, uh, Jim Bob, I want you to review every game for the entirety of the year. 
it's not going to happen because no. they're so overwhelmed and it's like, this is too much. They haven't taken the first step. It's just too much. It feels good to know that I only have to do this for three weeks. Mm. It's like, that's manageable. It's manageable, right? Mm. So this is my three-week contract. Play in blocks of three, blocks of two and four are also permissible according to energy levels. Never blocks of one or more than four. Review every game no matter what. It can be later if need be, but each VOD must be reviewed. Be aware of my champion pool at all times and never stray from the pool unless it is with the intention of actually swapping out picks. Never type unless it's helpful. Mute all at any sign of negativity. Don't try to look brave or strong. That's my small, short, sharp, solo queue contract. That's my essentially my three-week contract. Yep. And there's a lot of them. We have a channel in the MLA where people are sharing their three-week contract. And so for BBC listeners, I think this is something that everyone can do. You know, write down something that you would love to stick to for three weeks. It's the start of the season. It's a great start time to do that. For someone that loves to champion hop all the time, a great one is I'm just going to stick to one champion for three weeks, no matter how much I hate Done. it or something. Great. Try it out. Have a crack. That's a great one. So it can be, and, and the, the idea, guys, is that this is something that's, it's challenging, but not too challenging. And the key word is sustainable. It must be sustainable. You must be able to do this for three weeks. You might think that, oh, I can do this for one or two days, but no, it ha- you have to be able to do it for three weeks. So it has to be sustainable. Challenging, but not too challenging. That's the key to this one. Uh, so for people, new listeners that want to know what the three block process is, so that's our general advice, three game intervals, because as we said, that's what we found is the best amount of time for you to be able to focus, have intensity and get the amount of games in that you need to, to improve at the game. So it's uh, play game, maybe you can review again, the review wherever it is, but this is my general advice is play game, review, play game, review, play game, review, and then at minimum an hour break in between the next block and I say never do more than three, three blocks a day, which is nine games. But for me personally, I mean, you know, maybe it's just me getting older and stuff, but I will never play more than when I'm following the process, two, three blocks. I also want to mention as well about uh, my start of the season. So as I've talked about in the podcast before, um, I do a ritual to feel like a kid. It's like my way of having fun to feel like a kid again, reminding me back of like WoW expansion launches, because especially when you're high ELO, like on a server, everyone like races to get first year to master or something like that. And I love to be part of that race. That's really fun to me. And my first day, first day of the game, first day of the season, I played 20 games, right? And the next day, I thought I was still in the race maybe to get first tier master tier, but I, I then I lost like another four or five games and I was like, okay, I'm out of it. And I felt so, it wasn't even fun compared to last year. And it just, it, I instantly like, okay, I'm just going back to the process. Like it's just, it's, it, it wasn't fun for me anymore. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I'll try, I might try it again at the next stage of the year, but probably not, probably not. But it was, it just doesn't work guys. And I literally said at the end of it, like my 25 games, you know, between that, you know, that 36 hours, I'm like, what did I learn? Cause there was nothing I learned <laughs> because I was in a race. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm just having a crack. So it was, it was a really, as I was saying to you before, it felt like weeks, but it was literally 36 hours because I was like some time reality distortion. So it just doesn't work, guys. I just learned nothing. There was no improvement. I probably got worse. And then now it's obviously, you know, back to the process. This is everyone at BBC. This is Nathan's confession. Yeah. So if you guys accept his confession, his apology, BBC, yeah. you guys can decide whether you forgive him or not. I actually saw in the Midland Academy, People have like a phrase, like, I'm going to Nathan it at the beginning of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, that's what they call it. Like, that's what they call it. It's like, oh, I'm going to Nathan it. I'm going to Nathan and play 30 games or yeah. something. <laughs> it's, it's not good, guys. It really isn't. Again, like, uh, the only reason I did it was because I thought it was fun, but 
I didn't even enjoy it. I was just like, what the fuck just happened? That's literally what I did. Like I went I, after that, third, those 25 games, I'm just like, what? It was just like a blur. So that's, that's a great example guys of when you don't have a process. I just felt like shit, absolute shit. You heard it here first. All right. Anything else we need to talk about? We talk about why process is important. The three block process, different versions of your process. We talked about yep. how everyone has their own version of the process. Reviewing. Oh, yes. Reviewing. Okay. Well, this is a really good Reviewing's one. Reviewing is very t- tricky to talk about. Isn't yeah, it, it is. So let's do some, some just rough, some r- rough principles. Well, number one, learning objectives. I'm very passionate about not setting in-game learning objectives unless it has something directly related to like level one, first wave or lull states. That's it. I don't want to impede the mental stack of... It. I, don't, you don't, I don't want you to feel like your mental stack is overwhelmed. In the past, I've actually ruined clients by giving them learning objectives, in-game learning objectives that occupy their mental stack and make them play worse. That is not something you want to do. Most of your learning objectives are going to be things to observe in the post-game review. Very important. That's great. Seeking a theme of what we've been talking about today, Curtis, is about trying to understand things Reviewing is so important because it helps you to understand what just happened in the game. Because during a game, guys, it's so easy to miss things. It's a blur. It's a blur. You can miss so much. Even even experienced reviewers like Curtis and I have done thousands and thousands of games. I miss things in my own games. Yeah, sometimes like, well. oh, that's what happened. I yeah. thought something else happened. happened. But like looking at it again, it's like, oh, I didn't see that. You know. So that's why, like, people think it's like, oh, reviewing is just like this thing that Nathan Curtis say. It's yeah. just like this boring thing that they do. It's like, no, the reason, the key reason is actually to ma- manage tilt in a way, just helping to understand what's going on because. When we understand things, guys, we're more likely to be more logical. I've got a video on my YouTube called, um, uh, I think it's like fe- something about feeling intuition, a muscle memory, or something about intuition, improving, how to improve intuition. Highly recommend you give it a watch if you're interested in reviewing. I go deep on reviewing and review process and the importance of reviewing and how it works in that video. That's a great video for that. Um, yeah. Another one here, Curtis. Uh, if you're new to maybe reviewing and you're a little bit intimidated, just simply skip to your deaths. Deaths. We always so say- So much information in deaths. Unbelievable information in deaths. And as a jungler, I always say there's so much information in your lane as deaths as well. You learn so much just, about the game. I, I, the way I view it really simply as well, if you're beginning to reviewing, um, imagine there's a timeline, minute zero, minute 35. There are probably going to be a handful of moments in that game that left you feeling a little bit confused. All you got to do is go to those moments that you let you were feeling a little bit confused and investigate and be curious. Like Nathan said, that's right. That's, that's a, that's a great starting point. A great starting point. It's a great first way to think about reviews. And if you're new to reviewing, it's a skill. You're going to suck at it. Yes. That's a very important point. People always get intimidated and scared because Nathan and Curtis talk about reviewing and stuff like, oh, well, I can't review like Nathan. So what's the point of me reviewing? We were terrible reviewers. I was actually, to be completely honest, I was, I didn't review my games for years. It actually took me about until six-ish years of playing the game to review. Think about that. Six yep, years. I'm the same. And even when people around me first started reviewing, I actually couldn't look at my own gameplay. Mm. I was, I was like, like my ego, whatever it was. I fundamentally hated looking at my own gameplay. It took me years. Every year, actually, I get better reviewing. Every single year, still to this day. Absolutely. So um, it's a skill that takes a very long time, and and we you are all going to suck at it at the start. I guarantee you. 
And also, if you have a you know friendship group or in one of our programs, getting other people to review your games is helpful, even if maybe they're a little bit lower ranking than you or something yep. like that. Just being curious. Being curious. Get a more objective view of the game. All right, so that's all about process. Now, number nine, in-game versus out-of-game learning objectives. Already covered that. Covered that? Yep. Because that was your point? Yep. Uh, number 10. Ooh, not copying high elo. Okay. I'll cover this one here. I had a, uh, a, a client who was a Yasuo player and he was in high gold. And he said something very interesting. He said, he says, I mean, I watch a lot of high elo Yasuo players, PZ Zhang, things like that. And I, and I try to just copy and emulate what they do, but you know, I'm not having success. And I reviewed his game. It's it's just really overcomplicated, suboptimal decision-making. And I straight up said, you cannot copy high ELO players if you are in a lower ELO bracket. Because Korean Challenger is a different game to NA Gold or NA Platinum. One of them is Fortnite. One of them is StarCraft. They are literally different games. Even if you thought you knew what they were doing, you st- I promise you, you don't know what they're doing and why. So, you can, and, and, and this will actually be a detriment to your games if you blindly copy. They are doing things that are catered towards what's happening in their games. For example, they were like pool waves and all this stuff happening in the jungle will come. And blah. The game will play out a very particular way. When you are looking at high-low VODs, you should get very specific. Like, okay, like look at ability usage. Look at like just the basics, really simple things that you can take away. How are they trading? What are they basically doing with their ability usage? How are they basically playing team fights? That is all. So now we're basically just talking about champ mastery stuff. Champ mastery stuff only. You're only looking looking at champions you cannot, and so, so I'm confused. So he was looking at how to play Yasuo or how to play Yasuo in that type of game. Like, what do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, like holistic, like how to win a game so with Yasuo. Yeah. Okay. Like how to win a game yeah, with no, Yasuo. No. And like he's trying to employ all these like advanced things in his games and just completely overcomplicating the game. And then what he said was this, he's really, really interesting. He said, in everything I've done in my life, I've gone to the best and just copied what they've done and it's worked. And it does work in a lot of other industries. Think about it if you're trying to become a better car salesman you look at the best car salesman and you could probably copy the best car salesman and that would get you a hell of a long way at many many other crafts you can look at the best and emulate what they do and that's going to get you to an extremely high level league is not like that actually because again they're the games that they're in is so different to what you're experiencing. There is a mismatch. There is a complete mismatch. Yeah. So I, I, it's a word of warning to a lot of people. Please do not copy. You can gain inspiration. There are things you can take away, but please do not blindly copy what they are doing. I guess same thing with the Rail King, with the Rally players. There's a lot of people that try to blindly copy the way a Rail King plays. He plays a very particular way that works for him. And if you don't really understand the specifics, you'll dig yourself a massive hole. So this is interesting. So this is because I think that the reason for that, Curtis, I'm just trying to think, is mm. it because like, let's say if you learn from the best, like someone cooking a dish or something, like that's like a skill that's just all on you. And, and, and so it's a, it's a reason, one person skill, but, but is it the reason because that you have four other, like you have nine other players in the game? That's one. I think that's really that important, is one. right? But also because um, the game, 
Okay, so in in real life, whether it's cooking, the variables don't change. Yeah, like a tomato right. is a tomato. Yeah, right. Like, like well, if you learn to ride a bike or something, yeah, this, it's not going to turn into a car. You know? Nothing's going to change. It's like it, it is what it is. Yeah. But in league, every game is different, and a lot of the time when you're watching a Halo play, they're just adapting to what's happening in that specific game. They don't have like some cookie cutter formula where they split push at this minute or whatever. And if you try to just blindly copy what they're doing without truly understanding it. You're just going to overcomplicate it. And yeah. remember, remember what we said at the very start, one of the first points here. In league, all you have to do is the, make the best decision in this particular game state. That's what League of Legends is all about. In this game, with these players, in this rank, on this server, there is a, a, probably a really good quality decision you yeah, can make. A very high percentage, beautiful high decision percentage, beautiful that will decision. net you that a... That will net you a, a positive lead, and that's that's very specific to this game. Yeah, or not let you not let you a positive lead, but also not lose you the game. And and remember, they're doing that for their servers, their server, and that rank with those players with those tendencies. You know, it's so far distant to what they are experiencing. Can you talk about the Magic Felix example video that you talked about? Um, Talking about how people tried to copy his zillion. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of people tried to copy Magic Felix's zillion. Was rank one EUS. Rank one EUS. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that only works. Okay, so like the, the fundamental way this worked at that time was he would basically play this super like kind of fast paced Rome oriented style of zillion where he would just basically ditch waves, stay bot, get these insane leads for his bot lane, even at the expense of like three plates mid, knowing that in mid game he could because his eighty carries are so good that if he like you know get, put his ult on his ad carry and buffed up his ad carry and whatever like they would win the fights anyway but that was very intentional because at that time it was very ad carry centric meta and he knows that again these are competent ad carries they're not randomly going to get picked off they're not randomly going to misposition they know what to do they're going to farm well if you're trying that strategy in gold that's not going to get you very far because again the people aren't competent to do that but also they wouldn't be able to execute it as well as well because right. he knows when to roam when the bot lane is going to be vulnerable but a gold player is not actually going to be good enough blindly to read that's yeah. why he's reading the map and thinking if I go now <laughs> they're on that stacked wave like yeah sure I'll miss I'll miss two plates but we deny like three ways from them and we get three plates bottle on yeah it's very strategic because I always hear people talk all about uh general strategies that players do general but the, oh. but the specific execution is actually very advanced going into it the more and you miss so much if in, you don't in league, rule, league this is a rule of thumb that you can apply to again 90% of things the more general a question or the more general your statement is <clears throat> the least the less useful and less practical it's going to be because league is a game of specifics that's the reality of the so game so important it's a game of specifics so important we got to repeat that again, guys. It's a game of specifics. Because I, I especially. It doesn't matter what's happened a, a game ago, two games ago, the game before. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What's happening now in this game right here? This is a trap. So, you know, you know, when people talk on Discord or Reddit communities and stuff like that, a really good rule, rule of thumb, guys, is don't talk about a game or the game unless it's in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Like, just don't, please. Because right, it's just so general and you're not going to get any learning from it. Let's do an interesting experiment here, right? Let's yeah. take a question. And we'll ramp it up in terms of specificity to make it into a good quality question. Love this right? exercise. How to carry... How do I carry as Yone? <laughs> the shittest question in existence. Right? How do I carry as Yone? How do I... Okay, let's ramp it up a little bit. How do I carry with Yone into this composition? <laughs> <All right? laughs> Still a bad question. Yep. 
getting there. Getting there. How do I carry as urinate into this composition when I have a fed bot lane? Getting there. How do I carry with with Yone into this composition with a fed bot lane? And I'm even. And I've got these two items. Yep. Cool. And then maybe the the last one. Here's a clip. How? What do I do in this specific situation when my bot lane is like this? I have these items. This object is coming up. Should I go here or there? All right. So it's funny, we basically got to the end. It was just that you got to get to the clip. Yeah. <laughs> There's no talking about it. <laughs> I just did a long way of saying, like, we got to get to the clip. I thought you were actually going to say, then again, it's like, how do I uh, carry with Yone with the Fed bot lane thing? And uh, this person is there on the location of the map, and this person the is there, the clip, and right? this yeah. dragon's up. <laughs> you know, it's impossible to explain. So, so you can't you explain get, it. I guess the point, right? So... It, as the more There's general so it factors. is, the more useless it is. Yeah. That's why, in order to actually give someone a piece of advice, I have to see it. Yeah, I have to see what's happening. It's so funny because <laughs> this podcast is purely a talking about. You know, we said like never talk about League of Legends. <laughs> Unless there's a game in front of you. And we've just spent 132 episodes of talking about League of Legends. Not many clips. With not a single game. Oh, there's some clips. Yeah, we have got, we've done clips. There's yeah, not many. Are. Just not many. We're just frauds. Yeah, that's the funny that's part. It. Giant hypocrites. Yeah. Um, all right. So, copy and high yellow. Yeah, so the Magic Felix, that's a really um, good example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Move on. Move on. All right, number 11. We're getting there, guys. Uh, high value versus low value deaths. This is your point, Curtis. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Very simple. If you die, okay. So let's 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 pose a very specific situation. You're in. T- okay. So so everyone on your team is reset. You're the only one on the map. Like in terms of like trying to, in, and you you're, you're pressuring. You're shoving your lane, and there is no reason for you to pressure. Like there's nothing you can get with the pressure. You've already got like you, you don't need to base. You've got your items, you're healthy, and you shove up and you try to like, you try to like get tower damage or something and you die. That's an incredibly low value death. It's, it's e- it was easy for them to kill you. You were really pushed up. They didn't have to spend much resources. You, you, your team is nowhere near you. It, it, it's like you made it very easy for them to kill you. And but didn't expend any resources. They didn't expend any resources, time. and your team can't even punish the enemy for showing on the map because yeah. they're not even on the map. Mm. And it's just it's like a it's like a low it's like a high risk low reward mm. death. Mm. Therefore, a low value death. A high value death is when okay, um, you've kind of got a game where it, it's not it's you know it's relatively even. And you're like, you know, maybe you're in the side lane, you're in mid game and you're pushing out the side and you're, you're like walking the tie rope and you, um, you think, okay, they would have to expend like three or four members to kill me here. And if they do go to kill me, my team, I'd buy so much time. It would be so hard to kill me that my team would be able to get plenty of things on the other side of the map. That's a high, and they, and they send three or four members. Your team gets barren on the other side. That's a high value death with intention. It makes sense. You knew where they were and you were difficult to kill and you made it half that you bought a lot of time. They, they burnt flashes, they burnt alts. That's a high value death. So when we talk about Lee, we talk about the importance of not dying, right? Deaths are very, very, very bad, right? At the same time- I'm just trying to think for examples of a jungle. Like it's so hard for me to think about high value deaths because you know that example, you just talk about an example for Baron and stuff like that, dude. Like I need to be the jungle. I need to be alive for that Baron, dude, for that. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, that's a great yeah, that, that, that's a tower so, dive. Yeah, so the only, like, I'm just saying the really specific moments. It's like, yeah, so you tower dive, you dive, but you deny three waves yep. and your landing gets really far ahead. Or you, you dive that's more the of the early game specific and, and sacrifice yeah. yourself to and one then, shot the enemy fed Eddie Carry. And then it will be like a team fight team examples. Fight. But again, guys, like if I'm trying to think about the ratio, because people might think, oh, that was a good death all the time. It's like, there's, it's pretty rare. That there's like really good, like, I mean, but I would say rare, but that's like, the point I'm trying to make is yeah. that, like, you know, there is a difference, but it's important to think about deaths like that. Like, mm. was this, was I there very, can be good deaths. like, was I very difficult to kill here? Because mm. if you're very easy to kill, they just walk by, didn't use any cooldowns, no flashes, no just like a 300 gold minion, then you know that's a terrible death. It's a scale, it's not like good or bad or high value, low value. It's like, extremely low value, mm. low, little, and then it goes up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, And you want to be on that spectrum closer to the higher end. You want to be hard. Like Faker dies, right? Faker dies. It's part of the game. You're going to die at some point. If you want to die, if the enemy t- team want to kill you, they will kill you. But Every time it's kill. killed, it's, it's many resources. The jungler's time. That's my point. Yeah. That is my point. And that comes down to like playing waves really well, trading well, staying healthy, all that sort of stuff. That's right. Especially in that, and then now again, we're talking about high elo stuff again because yeah, the deaths in high elo games are mostly higher, much higher quality than much, than yeah, for the most part. Games, I mean, you'd be surprised. There are still some, yeah, even course, for me, I yeah. make some pretty fucking basic mistakes. Yeah, yeah, but then even then, still like there is resources. You know, they you didn't just give it, you just didn't run. Right, it, yeah, I didn't run I mean? at them. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> but you get. So I just want to raise this as a concept. It's just an interesting concept, I think, for people to think about. Yeah. Moving on. All right, actually, we've done number 12. We've already talked yep. about focusing on climbing, one division, and yep. not five. Boom. Muting all. Muting, muting, muting. So, obviously, the narrative that people always love, we actually talked about this in one of the recent episodes, but we'll just do a yep. quick refresher. People know that muting is important. So, what I do specifically, I mute all, but then I want to see pings. Some people get really bad, with, especially junglers, they're really not good with pings. Sometimes they really make bad decisions, and just uh, sometimes people just say, like, just mute the pings as well. But the narrative that always popped up is like, I I don't want to mute all because I want to see what people are saying about me. Um, or um, when I play well, I want to see people like hyping me up and I want to see the enemy team falling apart. Like that's like a... So these are the reasons, all the narratives why people just don't mute all. Well, people, the most common one, Nathan, is I don't really get affected by that. Stuff. Oh yeah, that's the biggest... Even myself, I fell for that. Yeah. That's the biggest narrative. It's a complete. I bullshit. don't. It's like I don't really get affected by chat, so I can leave it on anyway. The fact that you're even looking at it and spending time to somewhat process it, you've just missed maybe an opportunity in the game. It definitely impacts you, yes. at least in a subtle way. And if it impacts you in at least even the tiniest way, then don't have it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I, I tend to. Uh, well, right now, what I'm actually doing is. I will mute all at the remote, smallest sign of negativity. That's what Got I it. do for me personally. Yep. Muting is like dodging. It's a very personal thing. There's no cookie cutter solution. But I would say for the most part, 95% of the population in league would be better off just muting all unmuting pings until master. Uh, number 14, importance of reflection. Yes, another very, very big one. Okay. It is... There is no other way outside of coaching to identify stage four issues, that meaning more psychological mindset, mental um, problems in your, in your journey without reflection. And reflection is basically, you do this a lot, Nathan. 
after your blocks. So you maybe play a block and you'll just chill on your couch or you go to the shower or whatever, or eating dinner. And you'll just be thinking about that block. What happened in that block? Repeating moments of the game just, in my yeah, head. Yeah, things are going over in your head. How did I die there? What happened in that game again? Oh yeah, I should have done that. And you're, you're just thinking about, reflecting on what happened in that block. Reflecting on your block is one of the most valuable things that anyone can do, even if it's for five minutes in the shower, you're just chilling on the couch, sitting on your bed, whatever it might be. Just think over your block. What happened in that block? Why did I go one, two again? What happened to those two losses? And you just think them over. And what you're doing is just processing information. You're, you're consolidating learning. You're, you're trying to sort identify visual, trends. You're visualizing Visual. how you could, you actually can be training your brain technically. How and it's actually better. been proven that um, the better you get at visualization, it can become very, very similar to real life to the point where you can learn from visualization. Crazy. And so, so I view it in, in two, two things. There is a, a daily reflection after your solo queue block mm. and there's a weekly reflection. Mm. And weekly reflection is kind of what we do on our podcast day where we talk about our week of solo queue. It's actually kind of like a weekly reflection. We talk about what happened in your week, what happened, what are you doing here? And weekly reflections are very valuable because you see the bigger picture. What happened in my week of solo queue? Why did I go down two divisions or whatever it might be? And it's like, oh, okay, but it's probably worth investigating. Now, sometimes you're like, oh, okay, I don't have enough. I didn't play much games this week. I can't really come to any conclusions. Sometimes you'll be able to identify some very interesting trends. Like, oh, I'm dying to a lot of early game ganks. I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting quite tilted in a lot of games this week. Why is that? And you'll start to mull it Pose over and, 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 you know, discover some things about yourself. And this is how you identify those stage four issues. This is how you, you're able to contextualize your climb and understand problems or mindset issues or whatever it might be so reflection is an incredibly underutilized tool to getting better at legal agents yeah. i think that people that uh for us like we've just always had that because we're just so obsessed with like getting better at the game but i think this is actually something that a lot of people would help if they did yep. big time because we've just naturally always done it right well, you naturally do it if you care a lot about the game. Yeah. Um, but or yeah. anything, if that's the that Or anything, yeah. whatever whatever your hobby is. But yeah, in the case of League, I think that if you yeah, haven't cool. done it before... But what the, why most people don't do it, even if they do care about the game, is that they're so preoccupied with some thing, whether it's YouTube on their phone or listening to music or a podcast in the shower or listening to a podcast while making dinner or whatever the hell it might be. It's just overstimulated. It's distractions, but it could also be as well. They just want to forget or like they just will throw it off. It's like, ah, oh, my teammates just suck. <laughs> yeah, well, like that that. You know well. what I mean? But like yeah, really point. dig deep, really think about what's yeah. going on in the games. That's right. So it's like reflection plus review is like thumbs up from the BBC. Love it. All right. So the last one here that I got I've actually got written is toolkit to deal with tilt, dealing with tilt. But sort of everything we've talked about this podcast, it, it, it is, we've talked about lots of mantras, we've talked about the importance of reviewing, everything we've just talked about, guys, really helps you manage your tilt and manage sabotage. All of this is season. a giant toolkit. Yeah. The process, the reflection, the solo queue contract, the understanding your league journey, getting coaching or whatever. This is all one giant, muting all, <laughs> reviewing, this is all one, this is all different tools. Yep. These all manage your tilt. That's why we don't very rarely get tilted. No. We sometimes do, but very rarely get tilted. Yep. And if we do, we can put out the fire really quick. Yeah, there was a oh, there was a quote. There was a really interesting quote. I can't remember I saw it. Where it was um Oh, it was in that documentary, that Stutz documentary, where the Jonah Hill talks to his psychiatrist. And uh, Jonah Hill asked him this question. He says, I had this automatic assumption that Every problem that I'm talking to you about that I have, that you've automatically figured it out. 
like you don't have you've never had depression or anxiety or all these things and the psychiatrist like laughs like hysterically he's like that's just the most ridiculous thing ever and he says oh i have those feelings but I'm very fast at getting out of them. That's right. That's the difference. Yes. We have those feelings, but yes. we're very fast at getting out of them because we've got these tools. Yes. That's exactly. And I'm like, that is identical Beautiful. to us. Tilts, guys, is inevitably legend. League Legends is a very We're all human at the game. end of the day. We're yes. all competitive. League is, the, it's this brutal combination between a snowball-centric game, anonymity of the internet, competitive spirit everyone's highly heated and competitive you're sitting down in your chair all the time so you can't let out the frustration all on like the field or something like together, that and just the way the game plays out that's that's why it's very you know brutal that's the case love it I think that's a great way to end it Gertis love it so that's it guys that's our our ranked guide extravaganza um, what I want to see in the comments is any further questions followed up here? We'll answer these on the next episode. But every time we do these ranked guide for every year, because we're going to be sort of, you know, going over the same stuff. I want to just keep evolving it and be like just adding on to this section of yep. the next year and stuff like that. So it's always something we're changing. Yeah. So I want to ask questions. Like, let's say for an example of, I don't want to see like questions in the chat saying like, oh, how do I deal with like, like how do I think about dodging and stuff like that? Like we've, we've covered like plenty of episodes anyway, but stuff like, you know, more like the stage four big picture. Like mm. what are the narratives? It's like, what happens if I, you know, um, I know all the tools in the toolkit, I have this toolkit, but I just still can't help because I control myself, my emotions or something like that. Stuff like that. Like, What if my brother's better than me at league? Beautiful. That could be a good one. Done. Dealing with that and stuff like that. Um, I mean, that's actually just a good normal top podcast topic. It's not, yeah. really, it's not really a ranked, <laughs> ranked season. Made it up. But yeah, like, you know, like what's some questions, you know? So yeah, maybe there's no questions. Maybe we've actually covered everything and they're just like, oh, yep, Curtis and Nathan have all the answers. Instantly beautiful season. Like maybe that's just the case. I hope that's the case for everyone, but that's not a doubt that's reality. So um, yeah, leave in the comments, question, follow-up questions to all the content we've talked about here. Anything else, Curtis, for this episode? I'm done. All right, we'll be, fried. we'll be back next week, guys. Normal schedule, and we'll have mailbag as well. We've got some other segments yep. planned as well. We're yep. going to sprinkle in this year. Big year, big season, guys. Also to note as well, we've talked about in one of the other couple of episodes is that the we've got now two ranked season starts. So what we're seeing now, your placements, all that sort of stuff, it's going to happen again in the middle of the year. And on the counter in the rank, that actually says 150 days. So you've got 150 days to figure out you know, the to get your final rank for the first split of twenty we twenty twenty three. So yeah, when you break it down, think about 150 days, it's actually not that long. Hurry up, I need a pee. Good work, guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>